Good evening, everybody. It's really good to be with you. If we haven't met before, my name's Stuart, and it's uh, great to have you with us. And this evening, we are continuing in our series on spiritual gifts, as has been mentioned, and we are looking at the gift of prophecy, which is one of my favorite topics, so uh, looking forward to it. Will you pray with me before we dive in? Lord, we thank you so much for the scriptures which equip us and strengthen us and bring us closer to you. And as we open them today, as we look at this topic, would you speak to each and every one of us? Amen. Well, if you've read much of the Bible, you you will quickly come to the conclusion that one of the most defining characteristics about the God that we worship is that he speaks. Our God speaks. And uh, maybe you've first time ever in church today, that's something worth clocking. The God that we worship is a God who speaks. The the whole of the Bible is an account of God speaking. And first of all, it wouldn't exist if God hadn't actually spoken to some people. But also, it's an account of God speaking. And God's words are powerful. God speaks, the universe is created. God speaks, and he forms a people. God speaks and he brings them out of slavery. God speaks and it cancels sin and it raises the dead and it sets free. God's word is powerful. Um, I love the verse in Jeremiah that says, God says, is not my word like fire, like a hammer that breaks the rocks in pieces? Um, Or one of my favorite verses also up on the back, you can't see it in the dark, but on the back of the wall there it says, my word shall not return unto me void. When God speaks, things change. And uh, Paul begins this whole section on spiritual gifts in chapter 12 onwards of 1 Corinthians by reminding us of this fact about our God. He contrasts the, the pagan worship of static idols, these lumps of metal who you could worship but they won't speak back, with our worship as Christians of the living God who moves and acts and speaks. That is the God that we worship. And here's the headline. Here's the one thing to take away from this evening. Our God speaks, and he has things that he wants to say to you, and he has things he wants to say through you to other people as well. That is such an exciting thing if we begin to get our heads around it. We see in the Bible that in the Old Testament, God spoke to a few people. (laughs) He spoke to special people like Moses, like Elijah, people like that. And he spoke to the people through that. But one of the defining features of of the new covenant, of the fact that we have all had the Holy Spirit poured out on us, is that now God speaks to all of us. So at that day of Pentecost, chaos breaks out. The Holy Spirit is at work. And and, and then um, uh, Peter stands up to give a sermon to explain to everyone what's going on. And he chooses of all the passages to quote this passage from Joel. He says this. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit on those days. And they will prophesy. We live in the days where the Lord has poured out his spirit on each and every one of us. And one of the hallmarks of a spirit-filled church is that we will hear God's voice. And that is exactly what we see in the story of the early church. Straight after Pentecost, we see an outbreak of 
prophecy of hearing the word of God. So Pentecost happens, literally the next chapter, chapter three, Peter and John, they have a prophetic moment as they walk past this paralyzed beggar, probably a man they had walked past many times, probably one of many other beggars around, and they just have this sense from the Lord that now is the moment that he wants to heal this man, and they pray for him, and they see him miraculously healed. A few chapters later, it's Philip. Um, Philip is uh, um, one of the, 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 the deacons that they've uh, uh, ordained, and he, the, God tells him to go down to the, the desert road, um, so he dutifully goes down to the desert road. And then it says, and the spirit told Philip, see that chariot, get close to it, and stay close to it. And so Philip goes jogging up next to this chariot, uh, which must have looked a bit amusing. And he hears, he hears this um, Ethiopian court official reading from the book of Isaiah. And from there, he leads him to the Lord. That is prophetic evangelism right there. And then a few chapters later, we hear um, about Agabus. Uh, he is, uh, we're told he is a prophet in the early church. And he uh, hears from the Lord that there's going to be a famine coming. And the church seems to take this very seriously. They start collecting money for the churches that are going to be affected. And then we're told in Acts chapter 13, it says this. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said... Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So they're praying. They hear from God. They commission Paul and Barnabas, and they head off on what turns out to be possibly the most fruitful mission of all time. Half the early church is planted in that mission trip. And later on, we see that even as they're on their way going out on these mission trips, they are waiting. They're listening to the Lord. There's this one little moment where they all want to go into Asia to preach the gospel. And it just says, the Spirit stopped them. <laughs> and then they wait on God. And Paul has a vision. And they go into Macedonia instead. And hence, <laughs> hence the, the churches in Philippi, Thessalonica, and Corinth. And therefore, half the New Testament. <laughs> right from the get-go, we see God pouring out his Holy Spirit on his people meant an outpouring of prophecy and of hearing the word of God. And maybe uh, that is why uh, Paul thinks that prophecy is the bee's knees. He just thinks it's absolutely the best. Um, he says in the first verse of chapter 14, which we, we had read, he says this, and I'm kind of paraphrasing. He says, make love your aim and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. Eagerly desire spiritual gifts at especially prophecy. He's like, look, guys, Corinthians, you're excited about spiritual gifts. You're excited about seeing God at work. That's fine. That's great. But make sure that you, make sure you seek the best gifts. Make sure you seek the ones that are going to make the most difference. Make sure you seek the ones that are going to bless the most, build up the church the most. So if you have to seek one, seek prophecy. Maybe you've been coming uh, along to these Holy Spirit's uh, talks and gifts of the Spirit talk, and you've been thinking, you know what, I just haven't really got excited about any of them. I'm not sure whether any one of them are for me. You know, hey, Paul, just suggest one for me to actually seek after. He would say, eagerly desire the gift of hearing God. And why would he say that? Why would he say that? Because he thinks it builds up the church the most. And here are three reasons we find why 
prophecy makes such a big difference. And, and really, um, there are three things that happen when God speaks. The first one is this. When God speaks, it, it builds up. It encourages. So in uh, chapter 14, verse 3, it says this. The one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. And we know um, that God speaks to us for our strengthening and encouragement through the scriptures. But also, God is able to lean right into our lives and to speak words that bless and encourage in a way that are incredibly specific. a few years ago, I was on a, uh, a clergy retreat uh, away with a lot of other clergy, which is a, an interesting beast, I can tell you. And I was getting to know some of the local clergy. And um, while, while I was, I met this, 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 this chap called David, and he just moved to the diocese. Um, and he was much older than me, um, uh, but we kind of, you know, we chatted a bit. And then that came and went. And about a month later, I was just having my normal time with God in, in the morning. And as I was praying, I just had this sense, this urge to pray for this chap, David, even though I didn't know him very well at all. So I was praying for him. And as I did, I, um, I had a further sense that God might be saying something. And I had this phrase, which was, um, you're in the right place. You're in the right place. And I kind of ummed and about this, but I kept praying and it just kept coming back. So I wrote it down and it didn't go away all day. So eventually... I thought, okay, I'm going to compose an email to this chap I barely know. And so I wrote this email, and I promise you, it was the most apologetic, awkward email of all time. Now, I didn't know this guy. He was, he, he, I didn't know whether he believed in prophecy. Uh, he was much older than me. It felt very patronizing. So I wrote, dear David, no idea about any of these things or you know, where you're at or what's going on, but maybe God is saying to you, yeah, this one little line, I think you, God says you're in the right place. And then I, I got an email back the next day, and he, he just said in that email, Stuart, you will never know how much this message blessed me and my wife. And I met up with him a few weeks later, and he told me a bit more of the story. He and his wife had come down from Scotland, where they'd been running a church for many, many years, and it had been a really costly move. They'd come here, and they'd had some serious health problems. They were really, really struggling. And on top of that, the place that they'd just started working there had been some serious discouragements and challenges in the first few months. And that very morning, they had been on their knees saying, God, have we got this wrong? Are we in the right place? And this little email pops in, and they just read God saying to them, you're in the right place. And it started with me like, oh, I don't know. Should I send it? I'm not sure. But God wanted to bless these people. And, you know, I've discovered, I think sometimes when we think of prophecy, we think of all the big things. We think of Jeremiah and Isaiah and God's going to change your life, this, and the other. You know what I've discovered over the years? The thing God most often says to us is, I love you. (laughs) You're in the right place. I'm behind you. Uh, I see you. I know you. Paul says, um, he says he calls God uh, in, in 2 Corinthians, the God of comfort and encouragement. So surprise, surprise when God speaks personally into our lives. He wants to comfort and encourage. I don't know about you, but I need as much of that as I can get. That's the first reason Paul loves prophecy. The second reason is that when God speaks, it convicts. It convicts. He, he mentions this at um, the end of his section about prophecy uh, in verse 24, and he says this, 
But if someone comes in, comes into the church, while everybody is prophesying, they are convicted of sin and are brought under judgment by all, as the secrets of their heart are laid bare. And he's talking about there how God knows what is in the hidden place. God knows what's going on in our hearts. God knows what nobody else knows about us. And sometimes he will speak into those situations to bring conviction, to bring light into the hidden places. A friend of mine was uh, trying to learn to hear from God uh, a number of years ago. And so he was trying to kind of uh, pray and, and, and then step out to, to share um, what he felt he heard. And he was walking up by uh, the, the sort of river in Chesterton up um, in the north of the city, when as he was walking along, he, he saw a chap ahead of him. And as he prayed, he felt the Lord say to him, that young man is going to commit suicide and you need to go and tell him that I love him. Now, I don't know what you would be feeling if you felt that's what the Lord said to you. I know what I would be feeling, which is terrified and how on earth could I ever say that to somebody? And you've got to be ridiculous, God. And I think uh, you know, uh, this guy t talks to me. He had a really long conversation with God about how this was not a good idea. But the idea didn't go away. And so he, he decided, because he was trying to learn to hear from God, that he was going to risk it. And he went up, jogged up to this chap in a few uh, ahead of him and said to him, Hi, um, I know this might sound completely nuts, but I believe in God and I believe he speaks. And he said... Um, uh, I feel that he said that you are going to commit suicide, but he wants you to know that he loves you. And this guy turned to him and said, you got it wrong. That's not me, I'm afraid. Um, sorry about that. So my friend obviously died a thousand deaths inside. And, um, but kind of like, oh, I'm really sorry, but hey. And, and they sort of just walked along for a while, chatting as they were walking along. Until about 100 meters down, down, the, down the path, uh, the guy suddenly turned to him and said, you know what, I lied. I panicked when you said that. I actually lied. Um, I, I, I was off to go and commit suicide. So I was going up to the bridge ahead, the, the railway bridge, and he opened his bag, and he showed he had a rope. And he's like, how did you know? And my friend was able to have a conversation with him. God loves you, and invite him for coffee, and go and talk to him about God's love. I don't know why God doesn't do that all the time. I, I, I've got so many questions from that story, but here's just an example of someone listening to the Lord, and God just wanted to pick that young man out and, and speak to him what was otherwise hidden and speak his love into that situation. When God speaks, it convicts. And then thirdly, when God speaks, it directs. It directs us into the things that God is doing, and we see this in uh, often in Paul's letters. We see it in Acts. That, that yes, in many senses, Paul and Barnabas and other missionaries were very pragmatic. Let's go where the people are. Let's tell them the gospel. But they were also listening all the time for what God wanted to do. And um, you know, there are just so many biblical good things that we could be doing. And it's so powerful when God speaks into a situation and tells us what He wants to do. I think of a story that my friend Al um, tells us, tells me, um, he's actually doing the talks on the student house party so, uh, this year, so if you, if you, you should go, because he's awesome. But um, uh, he, uh, um, uh, he was finishing his training um, at St. Michael de Belfry, 
uh, up in York as a, uh, as a curate when he, he had to choose where to go to, to, to minister afterwards. And there were many places that he could go, and, um, but he prayed about it, and he really felt the Lord uh, lead him and his wife Lucy to go to this little church which was actually in quite a rough area of York. And um, they prayed about it, and they just felt this quite clearly from the Lord. And uh, then they went to the diocese, they went to the bishop, and they said, okay, can we come here? And they said, no, (laughs) we're about to shut that church. Nobody goes to it. There's no money. We've cut the post. So there's a vicarage, but there's no job, I'm afraid. But he and his wife, Lucy, prayed about it, and they just really felt the Lord say, no, this is where you're supposed to go. And so they said, okay, we'll take the job, but with no salary. (laughs) So they started, they moved into this vicarage, but they didn't have a salary to start with. I know people were supporting them and things, but it was a real step of faith. And then a few months, you know, they, they were having this conversation with God. They were like, Lord, okay, fine. You've, you've, you've spoken. Now it's, your, now it's up to you. You've got to provide. You've got to provide for us while we're here. And a, a few months later, Lucy, Al's wife, came out of the front door to find £100,000 in cash in a black bag on their front doorstep. I tell you, I have prayed that prayer a lot of times. <laughs> I am yet to, uh, yeah. You can pray with me if you want. <laughs> I kid you not, this was actually in national news. It was in newspapers. And what had actually happened, it transpires, is there was a, a drug deal that had gone wrong in their area. And someone had thrown the cash. They just got rid of it. And um, the police knew where the money had come from. But they, uh, didn't, uh, they didn't want to reveal their sources because it was part of an investigation. So they released it. And they released it to the parish because it was on the vicarage grounds. And so they put it towards four years of salary. And over those last few years, that church has come alive. And God has been doing amazing things in that community. And it is a flourishing church. And now it's able to pay for a vicar. Well, I tell you what, that would never, ever have happened if, if they hadn't been listening to the Lord. And, you know, we, 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 there are so many good things we could do, places we could invest, ways as a church that we could try and bless the city or reach certain people. And, you know, we don't get paralyzed when God doesn't speak. It's not like we, we shouldn't move until, until we hear these crazy words. Because we have the scriptures, we have minds, we have wise counsel, and we do what's in front of us. But you know what? Sometimes God is just doing something. And if we have the ears to listen, he will direct us into it. So when God speaks, he encourages, he convicts, and he directs. And I want to be part of a church. And I want to be, uh, you know, that where we hear more from the Lord, see more of these, these things. So, God speaks. How do we listen? If we desire the spiritual gift, if we desire the gift of prophecy, how do, we, how do we receive it? And how do we hear from God? Well, first of all, I would say that um, Paul uh, does talk about this as, as if it's a gift that some people receive. So we ask for the gift and we receive it. And in, in that sense, not everybody might receive the gift of prophecy. At the same time, I would say that I think we can all learn to hear from God. So that's a bit of a tension, isn't it? So like some people might receive the gift of prophecy, but others might not. But we can all hear from the Lord. What's that about? 
I think it's a bit like evangelism, right? Some people have the gift of evangelism. God anoints them by the Spirit to be evangelists. What does that mean? That just means that when they talk to people, loads of people become Christians. God has just got his hand on them. But that doesn't mean the rest of us go, fine, I'm not going to tell people about Jesus. No, we're all called to do that. And we are all called to listen to the Lord. But we can also pray that God would give us the ministry and the, and the, and the gifting of a prophet that we would hear regularly and clearly from the Lord and be, and, and be able to speak into other people's lives that way. But Jesus said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. So we should all try and listen. So how do we do that? We want to listen to the Lord. Three simple steps. First of all, listen, then weigh, then share. Three things to do. Listen, then weigh, then share. So the first step is simply to make space to listen to God. And it is both the simplest and the hardest, I think, of all of these things. It's just to actually make space to listen to God. And I just want to ask you, do you have space in your day to listen to the Lord? Um, if you have a, maybe a daily time with God, what do you do in that time? Is there any space in it where you just say to the Lord, speak, Lord, your servant is listening? I don't know about you, but it's so easy for me just to, to pray at God, to, to worship at God, to everything at God, <laughs> and never actually pause for long enough to give God space to speak. But that is, that's what we have to do. And so for me, that looks like uh, just every day, five minutes of my, of my prayer time or worship time, I sit down and try and listen. And I, I've got a little book entitled, What God Has Said. It's a very imaginative title. And each day I sit down with a pen and I write the date of the day, uh, what God said, date. And then I just sit and I ask God, do you want to say anything to me today? Or maybe I have a decision or something coming up in the day. What do you want to say into these things? And you know what? 50% of the time, I have to move on and it's blank. <laughs> There's nothing in that day. But the other 50% of the time, God speaks. And I have things to write in, 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 and to follow. But it's not just in our prayer times, our quiet times. It's in throughout the day. When you go into a meeting, when you're about to have a difficult conversation or or meet up with a friend, or maybe you've got a decision. How often when you have a decision, do you make space to go for a walk or, 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 or listen to God or get some friends to come and pray for you to hear from the Lord? So the first, and I think one of the hardest things, is to make space to listen. After that, though, we, we, we have to hear from God. And, and I think the most common question when we come to this topic is, what does it feel like to hear from God? You know, I don't know about you, but it's one of the most frustrating things in the world. But in the Bible, it just says, and the Lord said, or the Spirit told him. And you're like, well, what does that, what does that mean? How does that sound? So I thought I'd just share a few things from, from the Bible about what it can feel like, what it can be like to hear from God, because I found them really helpful. Well, first of all, God can speak super loudly if he wants to. We see in the scriptures that he speaks through burning bushes. He speaks through donkeys who he, he makes speak. Uh, dreams, visions, big things. So we should be open to that. Maybe you could pray this evening, Lord, I would be open to you speaking to me in big ways if you want to. Speak through dreams, speak for visions if you want to. But the majority of the time, I will say this, major vast majority of the time, good speaking is much, much quieter. 
much, much subtler. And we have to kind of lean in to hear. Here are a few things that it can look like. It might look like as we wait and give God space, that a sort of a picture or an image that wasn't there before comes into our mind. That's a really common way that we hear from the Lord. I, I used to be quite cynical of this. I used to think this was just kind of just, I don't know, I don't know what I used to think. I was just a very cynical about everything at one point. Um, and, um, but actually, when you look in the scriptures, really, really often, God's speaking begins with an image. I mean, the book of Revelation is just a series of images <laughs> that, 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 you know, but you can go to the start of Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter one, and uh, God says to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, what do you see? And he says, I see a pot that is boiling and tilting from the north. And God says, well done. That's right. Let me explain to you what it means. That is a prophetic image that God explains to him. Sometimes it looks like that. Sometimes it might be a word or a phrase that comes into our mind as we are praying and making space. Sometimes it can just be one word that comes into our mind, or it could be something longer. And often I just think it's like it wasn't there before, or that's, that's not really a me thought. But, but we pray, and we make space, and, and something comes into our mind. We might um, uh, also have a scripture come to mind. And I used to think, again, this was cheating. I was like, you can't say this is prophecy. You do, that's in the Bible. We know God said that. That's just cheating. But actually, you know what? In the Bible, God loves to remind his people of what he's said. And one of his favorite things is to apply what, what he said to specifically to people's situations. Half of the Old Testament prophets are applying the Torah to the people right then. So very often as I pray, uh, a verse will come into mind and it will help me understand what's going on uh, for people. And still another way that God can speak is, is, is through emotions. Sometimes I find as I'm praying for somebody, I have a, an emotion that comes up that wasn't there before. And, and sometimes it's like God is showing me what he's doing in them. It's like there's an emotion going on in me and I'm beginning to understand what he's doing in them. Or sometimes I think God gives us his perspective on things. Maybe you're praying for an issue or a situation and God gives you an emotion that wasn't there before and he's showing you how he feels about that situation. I just share some of these things because it can sometimes be really hard to know what we mean when we say, listen to the Lord. And I will say that very often we're not certain if it's God. It's not a slam dunk. It's just like it comes in and we give it space. Maybe we write it down. And as we do that, maybe as we share it, we begin to learn over time what it's like for God to speak to us. And we can learn. And it might sound different. For each one of us, but he does speak. So first we listen, and the second thing we do is we weigh. We weigh, we test what we have heard. And this is really, really important. You don't hear this in very many talks about prophecy, but it's at least 50% of learning to prophesy well, is to weigh things well. So Paul is super keen on prophecy here in this chapter, but he tells them explicitly later on in verse 29. He says, when the prophet speaks, the others should weigh it carefully. And he talks to them about not just doing this all in a really disorderly manner, but, but being orderly and loving about the way that we, that we share prophecies. He also says in Thessalonians, Paul says, do not treat prophecies with contempt. In other words, don't be cynical. 
Do not, be, do not, do not uh, treat them with contempt, but test them all, holding on to what is good and rejecting every kind of evil. And this is really important because we just need to, to know that when we are listening to the Lord, we do mishear. We do get it wrong. We do get part of the story. We do hear a bit. And so it's really important to weigh things. As a sort of a funny example of this, a couple of weeks ago, someone shared uh, a word which uh, was about a, a bowling pin that had been struck. And, um, and so someone shared that word. And then I was speaking to someone later in the week, and they were like, yeah, I've been praying all week about what the Lord was saying to me about the rolling pin. <laughs> and it's just a stupid example, but it's so easy to mishear the Lord, isn't it? So it's important that we, 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 we weigh, we process. So here are some questions we can ask ourselves when we hear from God or we think we've heard. We can, listen, we can ask these questions before we share or if someone has shared something with us. And here are a few things. Who is this for? I've heard, Often we assume when we hear something or something comes in our mind that it's for the person right in front of us, but it could be for somebody else. It could be for us. It could be, who is this for? When is it for? Whenever God speaks to me, it feels really, really urgent. But it isn't always for now. It might be for the future, or I need to write it down and process it. So ask, when is this for, Lord? Do you want me to share this now or not? What does it mean? <laughs> Sometimes if we have an image or, or, or a one word or something like that, the meaning doesn't come with it. So don't pretend like it has. So ask the Lord, does, what does it mean? And if you don't know, then maybe share just the image with somebody rather than the thing you think it might be. What does it mean? And then another question to ask is, is this the whole story? Is this everything God's saying here? It's so easy to hear part of what God is saying. I'm very challenged by in the book of Acts, uh, Paul, at the end of his ministry in, in Acts, he knows he's going to Jerusalem to be arrested and then taken to Rome to speak before Caesar. He knows that. But as he goes through the towns all the way down, people hearing from the Spirit in each of the towns, they warn him, don't go to Jerusalem because the Lord is saying you'll be locked up. <laughs> he's like, I know, but you haven't got the whole story. I meant to go. I know I'm going to be locked up. So have we got the whole story? And generally, I think a really good principle is the bigger, the, the higher the stakes, the, the, the bigger the prophecy, the, the more it will affect somebody, the more we need to weigh it. The more time, the more care, the more prayer, the more people we might need to involve in checking that it's right. Because weighing is a really important part. And most, most importantly is does it line up with the Bible? Does it line up with what God has already said? God has already spoken in the scriptures. That we know is his word. So God doesn't contradict himself. God, God always speaks in line with what he's said. So if we think God's saying something and the Bible says otherwise, we're wrong. <laughs> Just put it out there. Really, really important. So we, we listen, we weigh, and then finally, finally we share. And this can be really hard. There's, it's a venture. There's no, you know, it doesn't matter how much we weigh things. Sometimes we just won't know if God is speaking, if it's actually from him until, until we share. It's like, those, it's like those stories that I shared. I didn't know when I sent my friend that email that it was from God. I wasn't sure. You know, when, when Al and Lucy were moving in, they didn't know. We will not always know. We always God want, want God to fill up the pool before we dive in 
that God sometimes says, dive in and I'll fill up the pool. Um, so we, we have to take a venture, step out. We, we don't say, therefore, thus says the Lord, or this is a word of the Lord. You know, we, we offer it gently, humbly. Well, maybe God is saying this. You should weigh this. But as we do, we will see God at work. We will have opportunity. We'll get it wrong. But we'll also have opportunities to see him connect with people, encourage people in ways that they never would have been encouraged otherwise. Speak into situations that would never have been uncovered and direct us into the things that he wants to do. And I just want to say it, it unlocks life for us to do that, to really to, to learn to hear from God. And we'll see him do wonderful, wonderful things. So let's eagerly desire the gift of prophecy.